Hello and welcome to Bantering the Blue Shirts and featuring Kaylin, at least in the beginning. I am your host, Joe Fortunato. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Me Murphy. Me Murphy. That's that's me. And special guest, surprise guest, if you will, Adam Herman. That is me. That's great. Both of you are really excited to be here. The baby is more excited than the two of you are, just so you know. Um... We actually have things to talk about. The Rangers have once again gifted us glorious, glorious content with the uh, McQuaid trade, which Kalen is obviously very excited about. But we brought Adam onto the show because Adam is going to talk some Traverse City. So while I try to calm my baby down, Adam, why don't you give us a brief review of what you've seen so far? Well, I, I can confirm for the listeners that I have seen hockey. Um and specifically, it was ice hockey. Um, yeah, was it good? Um, it was. It was pretty good. I mean, like, look, it's it's it is what you expect. Like these guys have not played. Some of them haven't played since you know about March. Um, so, you know, it's these guys are you know they're thrust into you know a kind of a weird situation where you just met your te- a lot of your teammates two days ago, and the coaches are you know they say okay, like here's our basic four checking system, but you know. Um, it's not very structured, um, so you, you kind of see guys running into each other and just like players passing the puck where they think teammates are going to be, and so it's it's definitely a bit sloppy and and, and such. But um, it's definitely a good chance to see uh, you know kind of how players have prog- progressed in the last few months. Not, it's also unfortunate that we don't get to see guys like Miller and right. Lundqvist and uh, Kravstoff, at least from this group of draftees, because they're overseas or mm-hmm. they have collegiate duties. Um, but we we have gotten, I would say, a pretty good look at Hayek and Howden. Um, Keitel and Anderson really don't count, but specifically Hayek and Howden were two of the guys that we were really hoping to make evaluations on. And I think one of them has done much better than the other, and maybe not in the way that people expected. Uh, specifically, Howden, I think, has shown, and, and Adam wrote a story about how you really can't take all that much into consideration when it comes to Traverse City. But what have you seen from the two of them that has sort of, I guess, been eye-opening that you didn't know before? Yeah, um, I mean, I wouldn't say there's nothing I, I didn't know. You know, it's you don't. Re- it's really not a situation where you go like, "Oh, wait, this guy can do that." I didn't know. That's not really what the tournament's about. But it, it's it's just more fodder. It's it's more. You know, it's another four games, three or four games, depending on the player, to say, "Okay, you know, we can use this for our evaluations." For for Howden, um, I think what people who haven't seen him as much as I have, if they're watching the tournament for the first time, what they saw is, oh, hey, like, yeah, this guy can be a power forward and that he's a big body and, you know, you can put him in front of the net. Um, he can he can um, protect the puck in the corners and along the boards, but um, he's, a, he's a skilled player. Um, he's not going to win any stick handling awards or anything like that, but, like, look, this guy can, can rush the puck off the ice. He... He can make creative passes from the perimeter, um, so he he definitely showed off his, um, his his game the best of both worlds in terms of kind of the power forward traditional aspect there that you'd expect from a six three Western Canadian, but you know this the finesse game too. Um, 
and you know I've I've an article coming out tomorrow which it, it talks about uh, yesterday well today's game um, but also just of kind of overall tournament thoughts and what I wrote about Howden is um, yeah again this tournament's not make or break but it it, it it sets the tone going into training camp and for Howden I think what he did is he kind of put himself in the discussion um, hmm. I don't think he makes a team um, but I, I think you know, he, he kind of um, at least put himself into the discussion where instead of getting one or two games in training camp in preseason, maybe he gets three or four. Um, and, and a more serious look from the coaching staff than he might have. Um, so I, I think he did very well for himself. Um, for Hayek, it was kind of a mixed bag. There were definitely moments where you say, okay, like, you know, wow, like this guy's a mature defenseman. Um, you can see the one-on-one defending ability, um, how, how easily sometimes he can just, you know, in the corners, he just digs a puck free, sends it to the teammate for an outlet, and like off they go. Um, on the other hand, uh, he ended the, ended the tournament with eight penalty minutes. That's, that's four different um, penalties. He showed off uh, kind of the one area that I'm really kind of concerned with, with him, and that's his, his uh, passing ability. Um, and not just in terms of, you know, like creating goals and generating assists, but also just like, can he pass the puck to the, to the winger, um, to create an outlet or, you know, can he keep the play alive in the offensive zone? Those kinds of things. Um, so, so yeah, again, I don't think it's make or break in any direction for most of these guys, but it's it's more for the coaching staff to look at and the scouts to look at and to say, okay, you know, on day one of training camp, um, you know, what do we need to work on with these guys and who, you know, which players should we give a bit more of a serious eye to? Because I mean, I, the Rangers will release the full, uh, training camp roster soon, but it's a lot of guys and it's impossible to give, you know, a hundred percent of attention to every guy every, every time. So you kind of, I think, you know, a guy like Howden for sure, like he gave them reason to, you know, pay a little bit more attention to him. I, I've been really impressed, I think, with just in terms of the past six months, Howden has kind of put himself into a different category than where he was before the Rangers got him, if you will. And I think even the beginning of this year, he kind of took that next step. And I did not expect him to do as well as he did in Traverse City. Like Adam said, it's definitely it's not enough to make him make the team. And he's certainly not going to make the team. But um, I, I do think that Howden has at least elevated himself to somebody that we, we're going to be talking about a lot more. Mm. Um, Mike, you haven't said anything about Traverse City, and you're not even you're not providing anything for this podcast. Well, that's, I never said I would provide anything. Well, you know what? That's part of your rules. Show and you oh, you're you actually. You know what? Hand up. That's my fault. It's true. I we dis- actually discussed how we were going to start the show, and we agreed that we would start with the trivia, and I went right into Traverse City. Well, too goddamn bad, you're going to have to go and do it. Yeah, there right? is. I only got to watch a couple of the games, and obviously I think it's very easy for people to look at how badly the Rangers were outscored kind of, you know, from that four-game window and really worry and maybe say, oh, I thought these kids were supposed to be good, but again, as Adam pointed out, this this is not like a great way to evaluate these prospects. This is a very kind of loose, mm-hmm. you know, unstructured in many ways. Like I think they practice for the first time before their first game, and 
you know, stuff is done really slapdash, and you know, I'd I assure you I'd be saying the same thing if the Rangers swept, you know, and and finished first in the tournament, which they didn't. They finished uh, dead last, I believe. So they did that last year too. They're just yep. not good. Yeah, no. you know, today I think was it uh, they lost eight to four to the Blues prospects for that uh, that final mm-hmm. seating. But again, you know, the Rangers didn't play. What is it? They didn't play Hayek. They didn't play Heedle. They didn't play Anderson, and they didn't play Howden. So, um, you know, you can you can. Or did they play Day? Bit, it's not. Yeah, he no, played. They played. He was scratched <laughs> for two games though. It was bizarre. Yeah, there must have been something up with you know minor injury or something. Well, yeah, the other thing is it's four games in five days. So if a guy has, yep. like, an injury, you want to be careful with it. And they did dress 7-D today in uh, 11 forward. So, yeah, you know, I, I'm not too worried, especially because we knew that the goalies for the Rangers were were what they were. And I, I liked a lot of what I saw to Howden. I was really encouraged by that. I thought Joey Keane was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's been – Joey, you talked about him being kind of like the – the biggest riser really since uh the draft and oh my god you listen not, it's so nice of you i do listen um even when you don't with my uh, i've heard two people tell me they like my trivia show two um but yeah it's it is what it is i'm not too worried about the overall performance uh, there's enough there that i saw that i was encouraged about um and then there's plenty there i was like all right well this is what it is i thought uh meskinen looked great too and mm. i was really hoping we'd see Meskinen and Lindquist in particular look like, you know, like very strong guys. Like they look like they are maybe kind of, you know, big fish in a small pond in this tournament. And to some extent that was true, but also, you know, they have to adjust to the smaller rink and, you know, it's, it's asking a lot of a lot of these guys. So I'm not too worried. Did, did neither of you read the note that I gave you? No, I didn't see them. Yeah, okay, you're both. Okay. I had to shut the windows because the insects, the crickets were making too much noise. Mm. Um, before I left, though, I did hear Mike talk about Meskinen. I think Meskinen was, again, I don't know if I would consider him, if he could be a riser because he's a professional hockey player who was playing, you know, in Liga. It's not like he was some kid in juniors, but he looked about as good as I thought he was going to. I'm actually surprised um, Lindquist didn't look a little bit better, but he's yep. kind of a... He's a little hot and cold, you'd think, in terms of just the sniper mentality, if you will. So, uh, Adam, I know you cautioned against this. Any disappointments from Traverse City in the realm of you really shouldn't be disappointed about anything that happens in this tournament? I I think you can be a little bit disappointed. It's just, uh, you know, in the same way you'd be disappointed if Chris Kreider, you know, has a bad week in January. Like, that's not good, but you're not going to make an evaluation on Chris Kreider based on one week in January, right? And so it's kind of like that. Some people will. You know, where you can say, okay, this guy didn't have a few, you know, he did not have a good showing, you know, and if that extends into training camp, then I think you start raising the eyebrows. Whereas if, let's say, Brett Howden has, you know, he plays two preseason games and he does not look good, you know, we, we kind of have the the cushion. We can say, all right, well, look, like that happens. We can look at Drucker Traverse City. You know, he looked good. Whereas for, you know, I look at, um, again, Lindquist, like Mike said, um, he had he had some flashes, sure. Um, I'm not worried in itself, but yeah, it, it'll, if he does not look so great in the initial training, uh, preseason games, then it starts to become a trend. And that's the point I think you kind of, 
uh, you know, raise your eyebrows. Um, so I get, I agree. Michael Lindquist has to, you know, show a bit more. Um, again, I thought Hayek was hot and cold. Um, same thing with Ryan Lindgren. Um, he also had eight penalty minutes, I believe, and uh, a few bad turnovers. Um, yeah, Mike, also, Mike again, and I kind of talked about this is a bad tournament for a player like Lindgren. If your number one thing is defense, this is not the tournament, you know, for you to show off. Because, like Adam said, you're running the simplest of defensive schemes. Nobody knows what the fuck yeah. they're doing. Everybody's kind of moving in different directions, and you know, there's just not. There's really. It's hard to hunker down and be that guy. Uh, he took penalties, like Adam alluded to. He had some great blocks on the penalty kill today. But yep. uh, for the most you know, to me, Lindgren is not an NHL defenseman. Um, not this year. I think he's a third-pairing right. defenseman kind of down the line. But uh, yep. I think there's guys who are definitely much further ahead right, of him on right. the depth yeah. chart. Yeah, and, that, and that's... That's what yeah. I should say with regards to Lindgren is, it, again, it's not disappointing in that, like, I, I think differently of him now, but I I think kind of um, going into training camp, the idea was that, like, again, yeah, this is a guy who needs to go to the AHL this year, and the onus is going to be on him to prove otherwise, and I don't think he particularly proved otherwise. I think that's more my point here is that he didn't change that outlook for himself. So I, I think for sure he's a guy going... Uh, to the AHL, um, and honestly, the truth, uh, I don't know if the Rangers agree on Hayek, I kind of think they don't, but that was my takeaway too for him, was that he didn't actively prove to me that he should be in the discussion, um, so, so yeah, again, disappointment is a, it's a, you know, I, Mike, I like can we, in itself, but, can we push back the Jamboree and go into <laughs> yeah, McQuaid, Joe, because, Okay, good. That's the way that it works. Not in my life with my wife, but in this example, I guess it's fine. Um, Just because today Larry Brooks was kind of talking about what the McQuaid trade insinuates or kind of foreshadows for the Rangers, and he thinks Smith is going to move to his offside, and he mentioned Hayek and Day as players that he would be competing with to to make the team out of camp, um, among others. Like O'Gara was on that list, and Gilmore, I see no way that O'Gara, Gilmore, um, Hayek, or Lindgren, or e- or Day, or even remotely close to making the NHL this year, with Hayek being the closest of all of them, just because, like Adam said, I think the Rangers are sky high on him. Mm-hmm. The McQuaid trade, if nothing else limits the amount of youth that can actually get defensive roles. So let me say this, too. The Rangers made a bad trade today. Like, getting McQuaid was, A, not needed, and, B, there was no need to spend assets on him unless the Rangers thought they needed his toughness. I don't care that the Bruins players are sad to lose him in the locker room. I don't care that he's a great leader and he's tough. Fantastic. Adam named, like, six different players who probably fill all those boxes, maybe not as tough, who you could get on the free agency market. There is no logical sense behind moving on. Camphor, I don't give a crap about. It's the fourth round pick that I'm I'm bothered by. And not because it's going to become Ryan, Ca- you know, the next Ryan Callahan, who I think was the last real success story the Rangers took in the fourth round. Just Yorkin was a fourth round pick also, but he's not in the NHL yet. Um, it's because you're just, you're, it's just a waste of an asset. And death by a thousand paper cuts is what we've seen the past five years from the Rangers. And I kind of thought we were beyond that mentality. All that said, 
you can be against this trade as much. I am. I, I would have never done this trade in a million years. I think it's stupid. I don't think it makes sense. The world isn't ending. Like people on social media are getting mad because everybody's overreacting. This is the whole point of having a blog, guys. You, like the trade is bad. We're going to talk about how the trade is bad. I'm going to explain to you why the trade is bad. There's no panic here. It doesn't matter. Yeah. The only real long-term effect that this has is going into the year, we all thought Pionk and D'Angelo were going to have starting jobs on the team. Now only one of them will. So that's yeah. really the big effect, and that is, I think, that has its own merit of being angry about. But nobody's panicking. It's not going to change anything. It's going to make the Rangers probably a little bit worse, which in the grand scheme of things is a good thing. Yeah. But like, you're allowed to have opinions on the team and be negative about a move the team makes and not be freaking out. That's the end no of my rant. They about poor Frederick Clayson. Well, that's the, like he was supposed to be the safety just, net. It just and now what is he going to do? Is he number eight? I just feel bad for Frederick Clayson. That's all. That's my Mike. Point. What are your thoughts on this? Since in 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 the uh, the the queue, I guess you can name yourself. I'm Blue Shirt Banter. Adam is Adam. <laughs> Mike is Adam McQuaid. So yeah. you have, you must have thoughts on this. Yeah. I mean, I haven't talked at all this show, so I, I should probably... Well, then start talking. We, I gave you your first warning. This is your second warning that you're not doing enough to keep this thing afloat. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so it's when not I funny. Heard this, I know. It's, it's very serious business, this podcast. Uh, I, I didn't have as, quite as strong of a reaction as you, and, as you two did, like when we were talking about it in a... You know, in Banter's group DM on Twitter, and really because if I'm, I'm trying to picture myself as Jeff Gordon, and I can see like I understand part of his logic here, like this Adam McQuaid is a guy who'll skate through a brick wall, um, and they want character. That's all they goddamn talk about. Uh, they definitely have a huge problem with that blue line. And to get a character guy that can play defense and a guy who can play on the right side is like, okay, I understand why Gordon did this. Do I think they gave up too much? Of course I do. A fourth-round pick is not something to throw away, and Adam McQuaid is not a good NHL defenseman. With that being said, it it still makes enough sense to me why Gordon might pursue something like this. I'm just a little concerned, like I think everyone is, that... You paid a little too much. And it comes down really to that. What Adam pointed out is, you know, you could have picked up the phone and talked to a couple of, you know, free agents or thrown a couple of PTOs out there um, at guys and give them a chance. And, you know, who the hell knows? If you want that element there in training camp or, you know, in the preseason and maybe beyond, you can pay only money for it instead of, you know, a fourth round pick and a conditional seventh. But Gorton, I plagiarized from Adam, not to interrupt you, but Johnny Aduya, Paul Martin, um, and Dennis Seidberg were the three names that jumped off the page to me as players who can do everything McQuaid is going to do, and they don't cost assets. Yeah, and that's I think that's the real problem here. And the other thing is, some people said, "Oh, you know, what if?" You know, McQuaid just has the one year left on his deal, but then it's, oh, you know, maybe he's part of, he's 31. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not going to be a guy who's going to be useful two years from now. It's, it's unlikely he's going to be useful by November, really. And 
that's the part of this that kind of drives me nuts, but at the same time, I'm not, you know, I'm not pouring gasoline on trusting Gorton and his vision of the rebuild just yet. I am a little concerned, but I've been concerned by things he's done before, and I think on the whole, he tends to land in the green more than in the red, in terms of him making me nervous and him doing things that I consider to be smart. This is like a mistake, but a small mistake, and like you said, Joe, the real the real issue here is you don't trade for McQuaid to have him sit in the press box or play in Hartford, right? Like, he's going to take a spot that would belong to either D'Angelo or Pionk, really. Like, that's that's the way this is. We It would be kind of ridiculous if the Rangers did this trade and then decided to change their mind and say, we're, we're giving up a fourth-round pick when we're in a rebuild for a guy who's going to play 15 games this year. It just feels like a toughness move, and I'll let Adam jump in, mm. but it just feels like the Rangers thought to themselves, man, we need another face puncher on this team, and if the Nashville game last year where McLeod was on the bench and three Rangers got injured with cheap shots does not teach you that deterrents don't do anything, then I don't know what to tell you. I don't buy into the revenge factor. I don't think Filipinos on the bench like, oh, I can try this this toe drag because McQuaid will have my back if something happens. Mm. If he gets a concussion in the corner because somebody hits him with an elbow, no fight changes any of that. So I get it. It's soft hockey, blah. You're, you know, you can have whatever opinion you want on that regard. Let's just all agree that it doesn't change anything because it doesn't change yeah. anything. Mm-hmm. Adam? Yeah, uh, you know, and for me, I, I referenced this earlier in our, in our private chat, but like, you know, it, it's it's kind of like just throwing away ten dollars. Like, look, are you gonna, you know, is your four hundred one k gonna be ruined? Are you gonna, you know, is your life over because you threw away ten dollars? No, but like, why did you throw away ten dollars? Like, there was no point. Yeah, why do it? Yeah, yeah and that's kind of how I view this. Like, look, is fourth round pick? Is that's what's gonna make or break the rebuild? No, but like, I feel like we were also having the same discussion a few months ago after, you know, a couple of the draft picks the Rangers made, where it was, oh, okay, it's just one or two picks, you know. And so collectively, you know, at some point, you have to decide, hey, these picks could have, you know, if one of those picks turns into a, you know, a, a second line center, you know, that's that's a shame. Um, but also, I, I tickets as you can get. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. Um, no, but the other part of it is that I, I think we're really underselling the possibility that, like, hey, well, okay, why didn't they sign Dennis Seidenberger, Paul Martin? Well, it, I, I think it's very likely it's because they think Adam McQuaid is a good hockey player. Like, and that's it, the again, scary I, yeah, and this, I, right? That's the I, real concern. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a big believer in Occam's razor, which is the idea that the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of mental gymnastics about, um, you know, um, the state of the blue line and, and, you know, oh, recouping draft picks down the road when trading him at the deadline. And hey, I, I think they yeah, traded yeah. for him because they think he's good at hockey. And, like, look, yeah, Elaine Vigneault's not here anymore, but, like, he was not single-handedly deciding every decision the Rangers made in the past. And, you know, McQuaid fits into that mold with Mark Stahl and, and Nick Holden. And I, I, I don't even, my, 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 like, <laughs> my mind's blank just thinking, you know, I want to forget all the guys that they had back there. But, like, he fits that I, kind I, of mold, you know. 
I refer to it as death by a thousand paper cuts online, and and it's sort of what we've been dealing with in the past. Like, it was okay. We're just we're not going to bring back Strawman. We're going to bring back Boyle, and that's probably a bad example because that was obviously catastrophic. Yeah. But like, oh, we're just going to sign Glass. Oh, we're just going to trade Carl Haglin. Oh, we're not going to use Emerson Needham. Oh, we're not going to use Dylan McIlrath. Oh, we're going to trade for Yandel, but we're not going to like. It's all these things that right. slowly build up into the big thing that you're then accepting because you're like, well, this isn't any different than it has been. And that was, to me, the downfall of Rangers fans as a whole when it came to Vigneault yep. because you just kept accepting things. And then towards the end, it was like, well, what do you want? And I love, I see all of you beat reporters and mainstream media and all the people, and I'm not just talking about New York, I'm talking about in general who laughed at everybody for bitching and moaning about Stephen Camper being in the NHL the past two years, yeah. who are now saying he's a fringe NHLer. Right. I see you. Mm-hmm. Just know that. Because it's not... The internet doesn't forget. And Camper has... I, I could care less that he's in Boston. Great. The seventh-round pick I don't care about. It's just a bad trade. It just doesn't make sense. It's that, And that's... More often than not, my concerns with stuff like this are not the immediate on-ice impact. It's what does this mean? Because if the Rangers do think that they need McQuaid now, then maybe they think they do need that toughness. Like maybe it would have been better if they just signed Reeves and he didn't go back to Vegas. Because at least that would have been a two-year deal and it would have been the end of it. And maybe we wouldn't have McLeod and we wouldn't have McQuaid. I don't know. But it's, again, not the end of the world. Nobody's panicking. But you're allowed to have opinions on things, so yeah. I think we've sufficient. I mean, the only other thing I want to say on this, and I, Adam kind of brought it up, and I think Mike kind of mentioned it too. It's just it's unfortunate that a rebuilding team is looking and saying we don't want to see what we have in D'Angelo, and we don't want to see what we have in Pionk. We only want to see what we have in one well, of them. Yeah, it's the other thing is we should hold. I know what the numbers look like. I know what like the projected roster looks like. We we should hold our judgment until we see specifically how training camp and preseason hold that like plays out. If if D'Angelo has a fine preseason and he's not on the opening night roster, then they definitely fucked this up. Like there's no there's no two ways about it. Like you can't have two guys you really want to evaluate like D'Angelo and Pionk here who you think are they could be NHL guys, and certainly the price tag attached to D'Angelo and what we got to see out of Pionk last year, like those are both guys that deserve an extended look. And if one of them is in Hartford, it's, it's asset mismanagement, which is a big problem because every time you see that little red flag go up and you have the idea that the guy you know, moving the, the pieces on the chessboard is making mistakes like that, especially you know with guys who are young and could be a part of the solution. It's it's troubling because you have to you have to worry. Again, it is one trade. It is a fourth round pick, and it's nothing. To, it's nothing to you know burn the house down over. But it is yeah. yeah. There's something there that raises an eyebrow for sure. Sure, that's it. That's all. Yeah. That's it. Um, Mike, let's get into your trivia jamboree before we jump into questions. All right. Trivia. First of all, you both need to establish a noise, uh, a buzz. Mine is bee boop, just like last time. Adam, I'm not taking Shayna's. That was horrible. Um was pretty bad because yeah. she mm. said um one time not to buzz. And didn't mean it. Yeah, it was bad. <clears throat> hmm. 
You should have been prepared for this question. You've already lost the point for not knowing the answer to this one. <laughs> uh, if, I knew I'll yours. Give you five more seconds, and then I'll I'll give you a sound. All right. Well, my noise is going to be, Dad. Uh, I don't even want to play okay. anymore. But let's go. All right. That is that. So I'm sure you're familiar with the rules, gentlemen. Uh, you buzz in. You get it correct. You get a point. If you get it wrong, you lose a point. I have nine questions prepared. It's like the SATs. Nine, nine or ten. And uh, let's let's jump right into Mike's trivia jamboree. Happy town, happy town, our town. Pickles, pickles in a jar town. The first question's easy. It's just to set a tone, and then it'll get a little more difficult. So remember your buzzing sounds, and here we go. Name every Swedish player to appear in a game for the Rangers last season. Beep boop. Joe. All right. Mika Zibanejad. Yeah. Jesper Faust. Yep. Henrik Lundqvist. Mm-hmm. Damn it, there has to be some confusion here for me. How many? Oh, did you say how many there were? Oh, yeah. Is that allowed? I didn't. No, don't tell him that. You have to name That's... one more. You have to name one more. No, I know this no, one. Okay. That's all. Sure all right. In. Do I get an immediate? You have five seconds. Do I? No, no wait a minute. Shayna got 20 seconds. That's ridiculous. Well, that's Shayna. That's Shayna. This is you. You have 10 um, seconds. Right I'm thinking it's terrible podcasting for me to just be I thinking like this. I want to remind you we are oh, on a podcast, man. and that's why I gave you five seconds. You've gotten this well, wrong. Can I guess? Anderson. Oh, why? oh, oh damn I'm it. Sorry. I forgot about Anderson. Adam, you know what, Adam? I should have let Circle get the square. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll, God. I'll relinquish the point to Adam, though, because he knew it. That's fine. Adam, we're going to give you a rigged. point because there's no way you didn't know that. Adam's up one nothing, <laughs> but there is, again, as always, an asterisk attached to it. And that was the easy question. And I want you right. to know you took three minutes with that, Joe. And, That's and good. We need to, to fill the podcast people. with something. Next question. Name four Rangers who have worn the number 20 since the 1999-2000 season. Four Rangers who have worn the number 20. Oh, God. I have... No clue. Didn't I tell you not to be as specific? This is less specific than the question about the Nigerian-born ranger. Yeah, I know, but that's not that's not that setting one. a. That's not setting. I mean, I. I so All right, name three rangers who have worn the number twenty. Since I know one right off the bat. The <laughs> problem is that one right now. I, yeah, we were both thinking of of Kreider. Uh, I'm I'm taking a point here because I knew this. I mean. No points. For All right. Well, since point. neither of us, let's just take guesses. It's Kreider. Well, yeah. Um, God. Was Ruchinsky? Did Ruchinsky wear twenty? No, no we were twenty. Ruchinsky was twenty-six. 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 You guys are terrible at this. At least they got it in the twenties. Oh, we just had to name guys in the twenties. All right, Kovalev. No, number twenty. He had to wear. God, Adam, yeah. pay attention. <laughs> Vinny Prospel. Fred oh, Vinny Prospel. Steve Ruchin. Mm. Radic Dvorak. No, Czech not in a million line. years. Come on. Terrible. You know, yeah, I just I want to say just very briefly that if if that was one of the non-specific questions, I'm very concerned about the future of this. Y- this you're game. allowed to be concerned, especially because you are down one to nothing, Adam. Question number three. All right, let's, let's go. Marty St. Louis was 38 when the Rangers made it to the Cup final in 2014. <clears throat> Name two other players on that Rangers roster who were 33 or older. So who are other old guys on that team? 
the 2014 Rangers, 2013-14 season. Uh, Dad? Uh, oh, Adam, go ahead. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Brad Richards. Yeah, that was my guess. That is correct. Uh, One more. He was at least 33. Yep, he has to be at least 33. Oh, God. In 2014. Oh, God. High-quality podcasting. My other guess is is a dangerous one, I think. But I'm going to wait for Adam to get it he wrong. Was before, on the team. Before I'm going to just jump in there. Adam, I'm going to give I... you 10 more seconds. All right. Oh, and Joe's going to run through the lines in my head square. right now. Circle gets the square. <laughs> oh, God. Adam, I'm going to need an answer. I'm sorry. Oh, well. All right, Joe. Some, Circle gets some. the square. Now I'm questioning my answer. At Joe, least 33. Nash wasn't old enough. Joe, give Saint me an Louis, answer. Louis was... Uh, this answer is going to be wrong. Was Carcillo 33? No. That was no. my... No. I feel like I should been? punish you both. Well, we both can be wrong. Aaron Asham, Dominic Moore. Oh, oh, Dominic Moore, I should have gotten. Yeah, Moore, we should have gotten. Asham and Biron were off the team by then. Yeah, that, that was... Well, listen. I was going to say. I said that we're on the roster during the season. All right. You oh, know what? Yeah, this is just. Let's go. Next question. All right. I sense a lot of hostility. <laughs> yeah, you should sense a lot of hostility because the score maybe. is zero to negative one right now. <laughs> That's your game show. Martin St. Louis was 38 years old. Name three vegetables. That was basically your question. Yeah. Good. good Mike, question. I'm kind of glad you're getting dragged on this Who one because Rangers I got dragged goals? last week. I'm sorry? Who who led the Rangers in goals, points, and shots in the season before the 2004-2005 lockout? Are you insane? Uh, God. In goals, points, and shots, Joe. Who led the team in points before the lockout season? I, I know this. It's, well, it's one of two guys. Mm. Got to guess. I'm going to risk Bob it. Dad? Bob. Yep. Messier. I'm sorry, Adam. That's not correct. Oh, fuck. It's the other one. Joe, would you like to circle gets a square? I guess I can. I it feel like I'm going to be one, really. Negative one right now. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to guess. I'm gonna. I'm gonna save my guess. Oh, All right, so you're gonna stay happy at negative. I'm gonna one, stay okay. at negative one, correct? Because I don't Bobby want Holy. to risk going down to negative two. <laughs> the answer is very good, Adam. That is Bobby. Holy was, was my was knew, my guess. I knew they were one and two in points. I just wasn't sure of the yeah. order. But for Bobby whatever reason, twenty-five goals, fifty-six points that year led the team. Wow. That was the best money the Rangers ever spent. Good money. One of the first hockey games I ever went to with my father, Holik scored a goal. And my father yelled out that Holik shouldn't be allowed to score goals because if you were that ugly, you shouldn't be able to play hockey. That's that's rude, and it's also interrupting my game show. Again. Sorry. (laughs) Who led the Rangers in penalty minutes last season? Uh, see, the, like these are questions oh, that are question easy. Oh, is this question too hard, Joe? No, this isn't too oh, specific, you son of a bitch. It's just not. It's like a. It's like you. You're in the game, we're and now you're not totally too. terrible. No, podcast. we're not skipping it. We're both. We're, we're we're both sitting here thinking about it. Who could have possibly? Who could have possibly led the Rangers in penalty minutes last year? By now, you can we instant? I'm I'm sad. All right, fine. Go ahead. Who? Brandon Smith, sixty-nine. Oh my nice. god, Smith would have never been my guest, but yeah, that is a yeah, nice amount of penalty minutes. He's on the team for half the season. 
Listen, that's why it's true. It's kind of impressive, actually. Yeah, I was going to Dark Horse Zuccarello as a guess. I was going to say this Scott, one is practically no. This next one's practically multiple choice. How many okay. goal seasons did Tom Pody have with the Rangers? See, like, that's just how many random guess. Seasons? You've just made this a guessing game. If you get within one, I'll give you the an air room of one. You can anywhere. One <laughs> okay, off, Dad, I will guess yep, two. Oh, that was my two guess. Two is right on the money, Adam. Yeah, Adam is up Blake, zero to negative Blake, one. I didn't know that. I just guessed a random number that seemed plausible. There was there right. was no there was no knowledge involved. How many there. questions do we have left? Adam, that's what makes this a jamboree. That's none of your business, Joe. I asked the questions. <sighs> Three Rangers have had sixty point seasons six sixty point seasons since 2013-14, or the last five years. So three Rangers have had 60-point years in the last five years. Name them. Name all three. 60-point seasons. There's three yep. of them. The last five years. Mm-hmm. So we're really going back to right before the Stanley Cup. How many have? So B-Boop. Mm. All right, Joe. Martin St. Louis. Nope. <laughs> no. No, I thought he did have 60 points. Not with the Rangers. <laughs> no. Guys, what I up? asked you, I want to make what it clear up? to our listeners. I asked everyone, were the questions too hard last time? Everyone said, nope, just less. <laughs> well, I, to be fair, I think these questions are harder than the questions before. How many points? These are much Now, easier. this one, I am looking up. How, how many points Sandy had? <laughs> Does Zuccarello ever hit 60 Adam, points? Adam, do you want to circle gets a square here? Do you want to go oh, for this one? Man. I mean, you are up zero to negative one. So yeah, you might want to hold your card. <laughs> he had fifty-two points, so I'm not a moron. Just I for the didn't record, I call you a moron. I said you I'm were just wrong. saying he was close. I called you wrong. Yeah, Adam, if you get this right, you pull way ahead. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Oh god, three of them. I know. See, I'm gonna get yeah. two, and then one's just gonna be stupid, and then I'm gonna hate myself. Oh, don't say that. Okay. I, mean, I feel like I have to. Joe's at negative one. All right, Dad, I'll buzz in. Rick He's Nash. In. Rick Nash. Rick Nash is correct. Nash was okay. one of my guesses. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, let's this is the go. Worst thing for the this is this really this is totally derailed the podcast. This is poison. This is poison. This is let's this go, <laughs> Brad Richards. Nope. And oh. No way. Zuccarello. Did Zuccarello ever hit sixty points? Yep, Zuccarello and Broussard. Oh, uh, Broussard! My, I was, was going to guess Broussard, if not Richards. I was Zuccarello, right. Broussard. That's a shame. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, that was 2012. Richards hit 66. The next question yeah. is too hard. There's no way either of you. <laughs> this is. It's already bad if that's the reality. So I already know this is going to be like. Go ahead. No, no, no! I want the question. All right, Jack. I hope I get it right. Since 2013-14, so, one. Uh, see, yeah, already I'm annoyed at the questions. Yeah, again, you might want to. <laughs> I'm already, I'm already annoyed at the question. I just want you we to know. Proctor, you guys are, uh, you have no discipline. Um, this is why they bring in Adam McQuaid to shape you up. Uh, since 2013-14, one Ranger skater has finished the season, a season I should say, with over 70 giveaways. So, who's the most <laughs> giveaway e Ranger? I uh, boot. That's not my buzzer, Dad. That's my buzzer. Adam, go ahead. Is it Keith Yandel? Adam. Herman, bottom of the net and nothing else. That's a swish. Keith Handel yeah. in 2015-16. You know who my guess was going to be? Who's your guess going to be? Ron. Ryan McDonough. 
I'm just it, it, with a question like that. You just have to think of anybody who has the puck a lot. Right. Yeah. Keith Yandel's a great guess, though. You are now up. One to negative one. Positive one to negative one. (laughs) To negative one. Adam, you were in the green, my friend. The Joe, final like question. If this was Jeopardy. You would not. Oh, this is the final question. Yeah, I've already this was, lost. This was Jeopardy. Joe would no, not be able to participate. I'll add in. If Joe, if you get this one, I'll add in another one. Just for all right. Good. Uh, I enjoy us cheating to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> well, yeah. Name the last three undrafted goaltenders who won a game for the New York Rangers. Dad. Adam, go ahead. Okay, Alexander Georgiev. Anti-Ranta, yep. Cam Talbot. Yep. Let's go. Game over. See ya. Late. Adam, before the show began, Adam said he would smoke Joe. And folks, it is two to negative one. That's smoke. <laughs> it's about as depressing of a scoreline as possible. That is. You know what, Joe? It's smoke still. That's a three-point lead he finished with. Uh, Adam, congratulations. <laughs> You're the winner. Of I don't have anything to say, to be completely Jamboree. honest with you. I want you. To I would have never guessed Ranta, second, Joe, and I didn't even compete I, because I, I had Talbot and Georgiev. I did not have Ranta. I didn't know he was undrafted. <laughs> I didn't know that one either. I'm going to be. I'll shoot straight with you. I just think it's great that the whole tone of the game was set by us discussing Leas Anderson for like the first 20 minutes of the and podcast. And then none of us, right? None of us Joe thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> Joe couldn't think of Leas Anderson playing. Nope. Yeah, that was pretty. You great. put it right in front of me, and it was taken away. That's all. I also, uh, this game is while you were, cons- before the show, I mentioned Tom Pody to Adam. I dropped a little little nugget there. Did you? Well, so you cheated did, again. Wait, what, when did that happen? What? I asked you, Adam, do you know who the last ranger to use an aluminum stick was? Oh, uh, all right. Well, that uh, honestly, I, I, it, it warms my heart that Mike thinks that that, in his head, he thinks that's a hint to you. That like, <laughs> that you how many, like, oh, how shit, many 10 goals Tom Pody is definitely going to be a question that he had. Yeah. <laughs> I grew up not knowing what love was in my family. We played trips. <laughs> that has absolutely nothing to do with these terrible no. questions that are far more no, specific than we discussed. These questions. It doesn't. Go so to the we're done. Mike and I, <laughs> Mike and I had an idea with with <laughs> with uh, Shayna that we were going to do a jamboree where each person asks five questions. So in this instance, it would have yeah. been Mike asking five. Do you have five questions for me? Five, Ask me some goddamn. And questions. Adam asking five. I, I I don't. I would have to think of them, and I'll I tell will. You one thing. I'll at least be entertaining. I won't dilly dally. Well, you have to dilly dally because you have to think about the answer. Unless you're cheating, you need to use your brain to figure out the answer hole. That's the way that this works. Oh. Yeah. See? Point. That's three. what I was doing wrong. Um, <laughs> I was doing a lot of joke. things wrong. Uh, all right. Let's get to the questions. I gave both of you a hint about one of the questions that we were going to be asked. Did both of you have time to look at it? A little bit. Yeah, but I don't get the question. It, the, the question is very simple. If you needed to pick six Rangers from history to fill the two defensemen, left, right, winger, center, and goalie, who would it be? Like, who is my best? Like, who would be the best? All right, oh. let's just do the question then, since I was going to wait till the end to give you more time to think about it, but that's too bad. Tropical world. blue shirt. Joe and Mike love the show. Hmm, nothing about Adam there. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Who is your all-time <laughs> starting six Rangers? I'll go first since I have had time right. to think about this. Um, I'm going to cheat a little bit on left wing because the Rangers haven't had a, a ton of left wingers specifically. I'm going to go Bun Cook at left wing. Center is going to be an easy one. It's Messier. I'm going to go Leach and Brad Park on defense. Mm-hmm. And I am going to give Henrik Lundqvist the nod in net. 
Now, what I think my controversial pick is, yeah, I was about to I'm taking Yager as the right winger. Oh, you think that's controversial? Wait till I pour my line. Uh, yeah, I th- I would say Yager in his prime because I was going back and forth between him and Rattel, but I'm I'm going Yager, and I think a lot I, of people have issues with Lundqvist over Richter, but it's no. it's got to be. If you have an issue with that, you're a silly goose. My starting six. I want to preface this by saying, if you were a professional hockey player in the '60s, there's a good chance you had Ricketts or uh, Scurvy. Maybe you definitely didn't have the same sort of level of nutrition and physical fitness that players from the modern era do. Therefore, only guys I grew up watching. Because if you're playing hockey in the 50s, you're barely skating. Have you seen old hockey? It's garbage. Hot garbage. Hot garbage and cold ice. My starting forwards are Messier at left wing. I know that's sacrilege. I don't care. Gretzky in the middle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Wait, I didn't interrupt your list, But wait a minute. But whoa. yeah, I also I didn't, didn't come in. I didn't come in hot with pure insanity. I told you I was coming in hot. I let you. But, but I told you wait, wait, the because this jet's in, coming in, in hot. In what world are you done. allowed to do what you're doing? You're, you're being quiet, and I'm keep. I'm yeah, st- this makes keep no going. sense. I got Yager on the right wing. I got Zubov and Leach, and I got Hank. Now you can say whatever you want. Who who was your center? I told you, Wayne Gretzky, pretty good. Okay, okay. Okay. Can I can I institute a rule for this question for you, Adam? No, you you may not. Because I followed these rules, and it's honestly my fault for not saying to you that you should have followed them. Like, you need to pick players. Best with the Rangers? No, not that they were at their best, but whoever you select, you get how they were on the Rangers. Like Pavel Bure would have been my answer for right winger, but he doesn't count because my list is the same. Yes, it probably Wayne would Gretzky be because with Gretzky a, with was a still a monster. You, you've also created a mutant, better. a mutant level Messier on the left wing. I'll have you know that which Messier is like, played left wing with the Oilers. I'll have you know that. So uh, did he play with the Rangers, Michael? Did he play with the Rangers? Happened at least one time. Uh, oh but by God. accident, perhaps right. because Keenan was drunk and he was then. like, "Oh, let's just throw him out here on left wing." Go ahead, Fine. Adam. You want? I'll do. Then I'll say this. I'll have Adam Graves, Gretzky, and Yager. I'll leave Messier. See, off my, my all right, fine. Great, Graves. Oh, you're you're replacing Messier with Gretzky. Yeah, because I want to win games. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. See, Joe, entertaining. No, I don't dilly dally. I gave you the juice. You want juice? Fair, absolutely fair. The melon. A hundred percent. You gave more than the juice. You gave just fire. It was just fire. Hot juice. Adam, go ahead. Yeah, see, like, I don't like this question because, like, am, what am I God evaluating I, relative to? I, I just went on a rant about being entertaining. You can't say you don't like the question. Give us the juice. Oh my God. All right. <sighs> Left wing. Ready for this one? Get ready. You're going to love it. Are you ready? Go ahead. Yeah. Rick Nash. Ooh, that's Holy an interesting shit, one. You're gonna get, you're gonna get letters. You're gonna get. Letters. I hope there, I people, do. if if oh, the people who listen to our podcast, FCC, come right, at you me. You'd be in so much trouble. <laughs> go at me. You'd be in so Rick much Nash trouble. Over, you have absolutely no Adam idea. Graves. Rick Nash over Adam right. Graves. Rick Nash. Oh, see again. This is the question. What like what are we evaluating relative to? Like Rick Nash I'm, I'm is changing a million times better way. as a hockey player. So like Adam Graves had a bigger now. impact on the franchise in terms of accomplishments I and know. such, and obviously his off-ice stuff. And but like Rick Nash is a better hockey player. You so. know what, Adam? I'm, you're not wrong. I'm just saying you're going to get letters. Yeah, you, FCC, they knew how to write. You were going to get letters. Yeah. Well, 
Anyway. All right, who's your center, Adam? Who, who, who uh, else? Jean Rattel is my center. Now, see again. I recognize the fact that if Ryan Spooner Adam, went back the to the, the 60s and 70s, he would be Jean Rattel and better, right? So I'm grading on a curve here relative to era. Jean Rattel is my center. Okay. John Rattel okay. is so old that he wore like knickerbockers growing up. Like yeah, well, all right, great. He was around right wing. the Industrial Revolution, Adam. It's, it's oh, God. Industrial Revolution was the 1800s. Not quite. I know that. I'm being hyperbolic, Adam. It's right. juice. Well, trying to give you juice. All right. Thank you for your service. Uh, okay. Um, right wing. Rod right Gilbert. Right. Not going Rod Gilbert. Right wing. You're out of your goddamn mind. You're out of your goddamn okay. mind. Again, Rebel relative to era. Laid down with Nash. Okay, relative to era, pound for pound, Roger Bear, best right winger in Rangers history. Okay. Um, although I agree again, Yager's prime. Like if you said pick two years from a Ranger that were the best, Yager for sure over Gilbert. But just total package, Gilbert. Even the the Yager the Rangers got was lights out. Yeah, but right. That's what I'm that saying. Like if you said to me, like Adam, pick a th- pick three years from a right winger that were the best. Like a three-year span, like Yager's 2005-2008, like for sure, I would pick that. Um, but total package, yeah, I'm going for. You have for you're like a curveball to Mike's fastball on right. this one. Great. No, he's a knuckleball because he's all over the map. Mm-hmm. And I don't even watch baseball. All over the map says the guy who put Mark Messier at left That's, wing. Yeah, left wing. You have no, you're you're out of this, Mike. I knew it was controversial. I knew it was controversial. <laughs> it, but it wasn't just controversial. It, it was I'm just to wrong. Win hockey games, Joseph. It's controversial. It was, it was, I want to win it was hockey just games. Wrong. It's like saying is it mayonnaise wrong? is an instrument and calling it controversial. Like, no, it is just That's fundamentally oh, what an amazing SpongeBob reference. That's just fundamentally incompatible as a, as a concept. It's not controversial. Okay, and then defense. Um, I'm just going Legion. I want to ask this: like, Would it be more controversial if I had Gretzky at left wing? It would be yes. more controversial, wouldn't yes. it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I want the best possible team. How outrageous of me! I'm sorry, Adam. Okay. Great. Um, so Legion Zubov on defense. Oh. Hell yeah. You guys are um, not giving Brad Park any love. Brad Park's it's great. Again. I don't know, man. Zubov. It's, it's, it's a shame. Sergei and then your goalie has to be long cigarettes, and he was still really good. <laughs> your goalie's got to be hank it can't not be yeah obviously of course uh, here's my tostitos one time only switch oh, you ready God. for this marion gabrick at left wing that's why I'm, I'm replacing him with bung cook wow that is that is some hot that's some hot trickery right there i'm giving i'm it's, giving it yeah. because gabrick especially Rick- because marion gabrick played on his off wing on the right wing but other than that, great yeah, pick, Joe. I was about to say, totally didn't great pick. Otherwise, right wing. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He's a left winger. If Mike can make Messier a left winger, well, I can make Gabrick a left winger. We agreed winger. he can't. Well, that was a true insanity. Mine is at least a little bit. I agree. Smarter. Yes, yours was a little bit more. You know, in the ballpark. Speaking of being in the ballpark. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm Michael. sorry, Joe. Uh, I just really quickly Googled Mark Messier left wing, uh, and the sentence that occ- that occurs in this. Wikipedia, which again is infallible. Uh, I, I want to point that out. <laughs> Initially a left winger, Mark Messier made the all-star uh, game thing as a left winger. Uh, Great. And for what team was that? Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, Edmonton. Edmonton. We all know so, the Oilers became the Rangers in 1994. I respect <laughs> now, now this. Now, this is... Bird law. 
That's, this okay, is the greatest. Okay. So, so I'm just going to pick Brian Trottier because one time he played forward in the NHL and he was associated with the Rangers. So that's how it works. Right, Mike? Right? No, that's for Pop, no right? Mike, that's Mike's, Mike's at least semi-valid in that the Rangers traded for half of the team. But both of you ruined what was going to be a brilliant lead-in to what I'm about to do, which is that Perfect. I put Mike to sleep on that one. And you know what else you could sleep with? Casper Mattresses. Wow. You see that? That was pretty goddamn said, speaking good. of the ballpark. Yes, well, uh, let's see, I was going in two different directions, and then Mike gave me the answer after I put him to sleep. You can go to sleep on Casper mattresses because the products are cleverly designed to mimic the human curves, providing support, comfort for all kinds of bodies. You know how much of your life you spend sleeping, Mike? A third. One third of your life, so you should be comfortable. That's about a third. All right? With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the Internet's favorite mattress. You listening to this right now should give us five star and leave a nice comment on iTunes because that would be awesome. Casper Joe, offers two mattresses, the Wave and the Essential. The Wave features a patent pending premium support system to mirror the natural shape of your body. The Essential That's is a streamlined edge. design at a price that won't keep you up at night. Casper also offers a wide variety of other products like pillows and sheets to ensure an overall better sleep experience. Pillows so here's the deal. You ready? You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Go to Casper.com slash BlueShirtBanter and use the promo code BlueShirtBanter at checkout to get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions do apply. $50? $50. I mean, All right, Adam so that's- said it was crazy to rip up $10 with that Adam McQuaid trade. $50 you could buy. <laughs> How many McQuaids can you buy with that? You have how no many, idea. How many mattresses can you buy with negative one Blue Shirt Banter trivia points? Well, those points are actually oh, worth God. negative money, so I actually have an infinite amount of dollars, Adam. Uh, Tropical Blue Shirt also said, Joe, what is your favorite part of being a dad? That's a loaded Aww. question. Why can't I answer that That's one? That's a sweet question. Mm, you know what I'll, I'll answer that question with? When I come home now, sh- it's a race between her and the dog to who can get to me quicker. That's my answer to that question. See, All right, we're doing, we're doing rapid fire on these next questions. Gray Market, okay. how does Shostyorkin rank in terms of goalie prospects around the league? Adam? Top five. <clears throat> for sure I would top say top five. five as well. Michael? Top four. Deal with it. Okay, here. Price is right rules, you know, bitch. You know, the best, the best goal, seriously, the best goaltending prospect in the world right now has not even been drafted. Well, this year, in 2019, Spencer Knight, who plays with the U.S. Development Program, he's the best goalie to to you know be draft eligible. And I, I can't even remember the last time he's seriously he's going to be he's going to be a first round pick for sure. And like I've written time and time again that I'm fundamentally against drafting goaltenders even in the second round. But he's he's going to go first round, and he deserves to. Huh. That's interesting. Does his game remind you of anyone else, Adam? Shostorkin? Um, uh, eh. C- can no. I give Can I give one? Go ahead. And it's not a comparison of talent. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Hashik. Just because he's uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah, athletic and point. all over the crease, that's exactly what Shostorkin is. Yeah, I get he, it. I mean, if, if you look okay. at Henrik Lundqvist... And you think of a fundamentally sound goaltender in terms of positioning, like everything with Lundqvist is straight lines and ninety degree angles and perfection. 
Shestjorkin is like taking all the crayons in one hand and drawing on the page with them, but it works. He makes like routine saves. He's a rainbow, Joe. The, he he just he makes saves that no goalie should <laughs> ever make because no goalie should do the things that he does. And it works, but it is just it's a it's a totally different get ready for him to be all over the place. Yeah, and he he's calmed down a bit in recent years. I mean, it's still a big part of his game. He's calmed down a bit, and I think Ben Waller will calm him down a bit more. But like, no doubt, that's the fabric of his game. Is just he's super athletic, but uh, not in the way like I look. Jonathan Quick is also super athletic, but and, and Mark Andre Fleury, but they're also just positionally not very sound. But Shishorkin has a bit more of the relative to age again. We're we're speaking. He's he's more fundamentally sound. Um, but yeah, he definitely has that that quirky style for sure, where he makes some you know unconventional saves. I think it's the first time we've used the word quirky on the show. Kind of dig it. All right, that wasn't really a fastball, but that's kind of my fault. Alex Khalifa, name one ranger who will be underrated in fantasy hockey drafts. Mike, Kevin, Kevin <clears throat> Shattenkirk. He's already Ooh. Being in fantasy hockey drafts. Yeah. Shattenkirk was going to be mine too. I could see that. Adam? Yeah. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I haven't looked at rankings. I haven't looked at rankings. I haven't looked at rankings to see where players Should are ready. Just to pick a sleeper clearly, ranger that clearly, you think is going to put up offense. Which Navich? I'll allow also, it. I'm, I subscribe to the belief that if you draft a center in early in fantasy hockey, you're silly, unless it's a game-breaking center like a Crosby. Or what about if you draft a center and then put him on your team at left wing? Oh, God, Adam, I was going to say Adam, that. Adam, you know what? I thought of that. Oh. And you know what? If, if I'm the Rangers and I have a top power play unit, I'm going to play Mark Messier or Wayne Gretzky on the left wing, <laughs> aren't I? So that you went Messier... L- that you went Messi left out. wing just to get Gretzky at center is a move That's that right. I respect oh, yeah. uh, and, a, he's the and best appreciate. Ever play the play. He was the best player ever, but he was with the Rangers at the tail end of his career where he was still very good. Don't get me wrong, but it's just so an interesting. Like you had Messi been... in his prime. No, you didn't have Messi right. in his prime. All right, next question. And this one's really only for Adam. From Josh Zarkin. Adam, what's more exciting, covering prospects or putting David Booth into the blender? <laughs> uh yeah so, i don't know so like seriously the oh, thing about that David is so just real quick summary for anyone who doesn't know what happened so former nhl adam coming in former nhl david booth almost former ranger by the almost way almost former ranger yes um he he um tweeted out some nonsense about colin kaepernick you know and saying it was just seriously stupid because the motto for nike even colin kaepernick was you know um you know stand was it stand for something sacrifice or no stand for something even means sacrificing everything whatever so he was saying like oh well people can radicalize that statement and do whatever what they want with it and i don't even want to go i actually i think um, you i do want to say what he actually said because it it's it yeah, makes the colors it in. Great he timing. basically said, "Use that Nike that people would look at the Nike slogan and think, well, we could crash planes into buildings as yeah. a terrorist attack.'" Yeah, great timing by him. Uh, I have to say, the people who were roasting him with like yeah. <laughs> with uh, McDonald's, I'm loving it. What do you like? Murder. It was just, it was spectacular. Everybody going through just all the stupid things. Yeah, but right, right. Adam logically and politely backed him into a corner and then 
beat the crap out of him and it was it was pretty cool to see yeah, yeah but like here's the thing also like and i genuinely mean this i'm not trying to be sanctimonious is that like it's not about me like you know like this is a, a uh you know Kaepernick's campaign is is very important to socioeconomic issues right now and this i i really think it's a problem right now in the discourse and it, it's on from all directions you know where the person saying something is more important than the content of it in that like you look at Tommy Laren or on the or the, the Krasenstein brothers where it's like they're not saying anything of substance they're just tweeting out you know garbage for the sake of promoting their own brand and I don't want it to become that kind of thing where it's like oh well Adam Herman said this because it's not about it's not about me you know it's 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 about a lot of other people who are, you know, going through a lot. They're the ones whose voices should be amplified and should be getting the credit. And I, I just don't like the, the, so I appreciate it, but like, I don't like the association where, um, it becomes kind of like, like, uh, like a diss tracker, you know, where it's like, I, I get credit for, you don't want it to be on your greatest hits list. Well, it's not. It's just that. It's just like it, it's not about well, maybe me. Maybe just a small remix tape. Like because, like, my point for. is like my point being like it was this. It was a discussion about you know important socio socioeconomic issues and like, and then it became you know like oh Adam Herman roasted David Booth. Like yeah, I get it. I appreciate it. It was fun, but like it's not. It's that's not. That wasn't the point. It was never for like me yeah. to one up. It, that it's about important it's issues. Holding someone accountable for their nonsense. Yeah. Um, that was great. Thank you. Our final question from John Lowe is actually a reflection question about 9-11, and I realize that that could be something that you don't want to listen to, so I'm going to read the patrons. Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armael Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGen, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, George Lipman, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, James Dangles, John Reppy, Keith Franchillo, Johnny Lowe, Matt Bader, Guy from Montana, Michael Silvers, Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Kempner, and Zachary Zetlin. Thank you all for donating. You all Thank rock. Thank you, everybody. And now if you don't want to listen to this, which I 100% understand, uh, you don't have to because that's theoretically we'll, the we'll end of the... check you next week. Yeah, that's theoretically the end of the show. The only thing, the one, I mean, John's question was basically like, he says, I know it's not hockey related and it's a bit touchy. Do you think on the podcast you could talk about 9-11 and what you guys were doing and how old you were? I was in the third grade at my school and my teacher turned on the TV and told us all to shut up, which I think was pretty similar um, around the country. I was, I was thinking about this question on the way home. I was 13 when 9-11 happened. I was uh, in the eighth grade. I was in English class. We got called down to the assembly. There were rumors going around. You know, We figured out what it was. We went back to class for a little bit. Our school was actually evacuated. Um, maybe that's not the best word. They were just a super early release, like everybody come take your kids and whatever. And I was talking to my wife about it this morning. 9-11, at least for me personally, I didn't lose anybody. Um, we have an uncle we really don't talk to all that much who was on the 42nd floor of like the second tower. He got he was an electrician doing some work. He got blown through a wall, but he was otherwise fine and alive today. We had a couple of friends who lost people. We went to some funerals, but like... I came home that day and watched the news with my mom for a little bit. Then I rode my bike to my friend's house and we played by the train tracks. I mean, it was 13. You can't 
you know, you can't process what happened or really understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was telling Britt that as I go through stages of growth in my life, like getting married and having a kid and, you know, 9-11 gets heavier because it sounds selfish, but I can actually sympathize with what people lost now because at 13 mm-hmm. you don't have those, like you have no sense of that in your life. And it's hard to think about people not coming home. Not that it wasn't before, but you can truly understand that. Like, if I went out and I died tomorrow, I, my daughter wouldn't have a father anymore. And you can't you you can't internalize that until you're older. So I'm in a weird place, and I feel like you guys are probably with me, where you were so because I think Mike is what you're two years older than me. Yeah, I remember that day really vividly. I was in, I think, my sophomore year of high school, and there was a uh, an assembly. And I remember, like, the assembly was just some ho-hum thing. I completely forgot about it. And then it was, like, my it was early, obviously. It was September, and we had a new principal that year. And after the assembly, like, she went up on the stage, and it just felt a little bit off. And she said something along the lines of, like, this is a day you'll all remember forever. And I remember leaning over to my friend and being like, this assembly wasn't that great. You know, we're not going to remember this assembly. And then Also, not the that, best introduction to what you're no, about to do. Not quite. Um, and then, you know, she explained what happened. And we were all dismissed to, like, our homerooms or something of that nature. And all I really remember that day is, like, a good quarter of the kids, their parents drove in to get them out of school. Um, because it was that sense that, you know, anything could be happening right now, and no one felt quite safe. And I live, I grew up in, you know, central New Jersey and, you know, wealthy suburb where a lot of, a lot of parents commuted to the city, you know, from the top of this hill. Um, This town I lived in called Homedale, you could see the New York City skyline. And it was a very kind of evocative idea that, like, if, if on the bus ride home, I could look over that hill and see smoke and that was like a really powerful and disturbing thing to me. It made it very, made it real when it was not just on the TV screen and, and all of that. And I, the thing that stands out the most to me from all that is that kind of uh, a feeling of like being lost and not really understanding how something like that could happen because they're very much like it was a real challenge to that kind of youthful innocence that you have, especially if you're growing up in the suburbs and you know, your very comfortable lifestyle, and then all of a sudden it's, you know, parents are driving to school, like, begging their kids to come home early. And, you know, it just something was horribly, horribly wrong that day. But yeah, it's been, it's a really strange thing. Um, you know, thinking back, I know it's, you know, each year we say, like, I can't believe it's been this many years, and it still holds so much weight. Like, you know, even driving around in New Jersey, everywhere I go, you know, every town has a memorial, you know, whether it's, you know, pieces of, you know, like the metal and, you know, the, from the towers or, you know, because every police force, every fire station, everyone sent people, you know what I mean? And so it was this huge thing that touched everyone around the area. And I don't know, it's been, it's always a weird day. It always feels like it's not a day like every other, but at the same time, it's also really weird. We talked about before the show, it's, it's very interesting like even being around the city like it just kind of business as usual but it's still 
I feel like it's that thing in the back of everyone's head, kind of. Yeah, I was down there last week. Uh, that was the first time I've actually been down there uh, since maybe ever. I don't really think I've ever been down there before. I was down there for a client, and I work in the city. And, mm. um, you know, I went to see the footprint because I'd never seen it before. And it's, yeah, you know, it's there. It's it's something that, again, the, the point that I was kind of making is uh, I feel like you guys are kind of in the maybe less so, Mike, because you were a little bit older than you, Adam. But, like, it you're in a weird space because you remember it. I remember everything about that day, but it, you're not old enough to appreciate what happened. So like it grows on you as it goes. But I think um, they took them down, but the, they used to have ads in the subways about the nine 11 museum museum. Uh, and the, uh, the ad was literally a transcript of like a voicemail that a guy on the plane was leaving to his wife. And thing again, things like that that you just have no appreciation of when you're thirteen or fourteen or fifteen hit me way harder now than they did, you know, even five or six years ago. So I know that's a sort of a roundabout answer to the question, and I know Adam wants to say something too, but I'm I feel like I'm in a very weird place um, with nine eleven in a blessed place that it didn't impact my life more directly, but that. It's something you like. I'm appreciating more over time, and I think it's only going to get harder. You know what I mean? As more things happen, that you can appreciate what went on, and it's sort of what it's going to be for everybody. I would think. Um, it's just, but like Mike said, I'm I've been in the city for the past I think eight nine elevens, and it's business as usual. Nobody, it doesn't feel any different today. That that feeling is start of sort of wearing off, if you will. But that sense of, oh, my God, we have no idea what's going to happen. I remember that very real from 17 years ago, like a plane flew over the school. And we're pretty close to the city where I grew up. Um, It was probably being grounded because they were grounding all planes. And I remember my history teacher looking up like he had no idea what it was. Like you didn't know anything. And I don't remember fear like that ever. Yeah, real, since then in that type terror. of a sense. Yeah, yeah literally, you, it, like Mike said, you had no idea. And for those of you who listen and you don't live in the area, and you know, for those of you who listen and you do, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you were old enough to remember that just <clears> like that creeping like horror movie walking down a hallway, you don't know what's going to jump out at you. Fear, that was very, very real. And I've never felt anything like that again in my life. Uh, but Adam, go ahead. Yeah. So I was in, I think, fourth grade. Was it fourth grade? Third or fourth grade? You're a baby compared to us, man. Yeah. I didn't realize um, you were that young. I think it was third grade. Um, hmm. They didn't tell us anything in school. It was bizarre. I don't know why. Um, but, like, we well, you're knew age something. level. I'm not Like, what do you say? Yeah, but, like, here's the thing. Like, we, we knew something was off because, like, rumors were spreading. And then, like, kids were being pulled out of school one by one. Um, yeah, I remember. And that so, happens. like at that point, it was like you know, what I mean, like they should have. It would have been a lot easier to, you know, be honest about it. You know, obviously, and explain it in a way that you're not going to explain it to us the same way you'd explain it to someone in college. But I just, it was just a weird day. Um, and then, of course, when I went home, <laughs> I saw my, my I saw my father home from work, and I was why like why is he there? Because that didn't make any sense. And then obviously you see the TV and you see what's going on. And he he actually works right near the towers. Um, so in theory, he could have been impacted by it. Obviously not. Um, 
but you know this gets into touchy territory but uh, you know we talk about the impact of 9-11 and and not letting the terrorists win and I, i just so much want that to be true and not just in the way of winning wars but just the fear and and the xenophobia that has persisted in years as a result of that inf- incident, um, you know, has just been really unfortunate. Um, and, and so I really hope, you know, I, I still think we're dealing with the effects of 9-11, um, not in terms of just the lives literally lost at the moment and the destruction, which of course was just absolutely horrific and a terrible moment in our country's history. But, you know, I, I still think we're kind of dealing with the impact of it, you know, today, and I, I, I hope we can get to a place, um, you know, where we have that in our memory, but nonetheless, you know, we can get to a point where we say we truly um, became a better country for it, and I, I, I'm not sure where yet, we're there yet, but I, I hope we, we can get there. It's funny because I do, I agree with everything that you said, and I feel like New York is further along that road than a lot of other places are, and it happened here. You know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, I don't want to get overly political, but like the outpouring of protests during the Muslim ban Mm -hmm. in New York, like this is where it happened. And that, uh, you know, that was a moment that I personally was very proud of. But yeah, yeah, like like Mike said, I I definitely, I have very vivid memories. Um, they said a cargo plane hit between somewhere between the first and the second tower getting hit. We had our assembly and everybody billed it as an accident. And then it wasn't an accident anymore. Right. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Or maybe Mike more than Adam that like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, no. Like something's actually going on. And my dad worked in the city. He wasn't really near the towers, but at 13, I didn't know that. So I remember calling my mother on a payphone. We had a payphone in the in the middle school. Um, and she said he was fine that yeah. and that she was going to come pick us up. I remember my mother folding laundry, sitting on the couch, watching the news. It was like the loop from impact of the tower to the towers falling. That was all they were running as they were talking. And they had that B-roll of the two towers smoking. And I do remember footage of like a f- and i don't remember what country it was like the people celebrating that it happened and i don't even want to take a guess at what country it is i think i remember but i don't even want to take a guess i do remember that and then yeah. mom turned the tv off and she was like uh oh, you know whatever and we went to the train tracks which was kind of weird because there was a mi- like everybody was running trains out of the city at that point um yeah. and i really wasn't supposed to be playing at the train tracks and then i went home and like the only other memory i have really from that time period our history teacher had the photo, the full page spread of the guy who elected to jump out the window. Yeah. The falling man. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. That photo of him like upside down, perfectly symmetrical to the building. He had that up in the classroom and it stayed up all year. And it it's a really powerful photo. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. For me, like being in the upper floor knowing that you're going to die and there's nothing you can do but being aware of that is now like a fear of mine from that photo because it kind of pulls that out but you saw it so much that you became desensitized to it and there's a brilliant article that i think actually um brett carillas who's the what's it how do you say his last name from the post sir gallus sir gallus he posted they did like a 
they had somebody try to find out who the guy was, and it's a really powerful piece. If you mm. find him on Twitter, you can see it. But uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of. But you know, like Adam said, I I think nine eleven was a lot of really really bad things, and it it was kind of my first interaction with true evil yep. in the world yep. because at thirteen I had no idea that that was possible. But I have to say that 9-11 is also like the perfect example that in a pinch, humanity is good. Honest to God. I, I think it's important to focus on the fact that there are so many people that tried to help, that did help, that went out of their way to make things better for other people. You, you, you have to focus on that too. Otherwise, like Adam said, you're letting the terrorists win. So. Yeah. Heavier ending than we thought it was going to be, but uh, yeah. important to talk about because no, we are recording absolutely. on nine eleven. So thank you all for listening. Day, uh, I was going to say one more thing. Go ahead. That day, my biggest takeaway from that day is we hear that it's something I even today I don't use this word when I write the word hero and like uh, when you when you hear when we heard all the stories and when you got the the takeaway of what people did and going back in knowing the risks like that was the thing is that loss of innocence but also the kind of you gain a greater understanding like you said joe that people are for the most part good and that was a big part of it but also to understand like oh like there's so much goodness that we have people who are that selfless and that in and of itself was like a beautiful thing to come out of a horrible thing and that's something that i think has endured Along with, you know, some of the things that Adam mentioned, which is big. You know, the social kind of ripples that are, were left from that and the impact it had on our country and xenophobia and all that. But also this idea of what it, what heroism actually looks like. And, uh, yeah, that's, I just wanted to add that. It's something that will always stick with me. See, a positive end to the podcast. Uh, thank you all for listening. We will be back next week, as always. Uh, please like us on iTunes. You can find us on Spreaker now. We're also on iHeartRadio. It's kind of cool. So, uh, yeah. Thank you, Adam, for joining in. And um, Trivia should go ahead. end. I think it has to end. It's yeah, it has to end. I end as champion. You guys are no good. Oh, you're talking <laughs> about the Jamboree? Yeah. No, the Jamboree's staying on until I win a game. That's the end of that. <laughs>